there's just a floating of the number of assets in the data stack that you still have to discover, catalog, document, and that's where we stand. Hi everyone, welcome to HashMap on Tap. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening into the show today. I'm Kelly Coleffel, really pleased to be joined today by Tristan Meyer. Tristan is co-founder and CEO at Castor. They are a really interesting SaaS solution. They're bringing trust and visibility to data by helping you find, understand, and use your data assets. I think it's something that all of our clients are looking for today. Everyone's looking for Almost think a Google search for enterprise data. Tristan, hi, welcome to the show. What are you drinking today? Hi, Kelly. Thanks for the introduction. Small iced coffee today, Indian summer in Paris. Getting really, really hot, so I have to... Actually, it's not proper coffee, it's decaf coffee. End of the day for me, so uh, some ice, some fresh beverage, and really looking forward to our chat today. Very good. So you're having an iced coffee. You're, you're based in Paris, right? Absolutely. Starting from uh, from Paris, looking at pretty much all around the world from our small town here in Paris. But here in Paris, selling, speaking to people kind of everywhere uh, with this new era of uh, remote everything. So it's not a problem to be in Paris, but uh, loving the city and starting from here. Yeah, no, awesome. And, and so we're sitting here, what, in September. So it's still a little toasty, a little bit warm in Paris right now. Absolutely. Getting really warm after an awful summer. I think really, really warm. I've closed everything to get a nice sound. So I hope everyone will be able to hear a nice and proper sound. It's getting hot. That's why iced coffee is always good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am having a coffee today as well. I'm having a, now I'm in, I'm in Houston. It is still warm here in September. I think everybody knows that, but it's, uh, I'm having a warm, I'm having a bulletproof. It's a combo caffeinated and decaffeinated. It's kind of one of my go-to coffees and, uh, I drink way too much of it, I think, but it's always a, a nice go-to. So we'll enjoy those during the show. All right, so Tristan, why don't you take a moment and take us through a little bit of your background. I know you haven't been on the show before. How'd you get into technology and certainly your role as co-founder and CEO at Castor? Yeah, absolutely. So um, basically, I've started out as a data scientist. must admit I'm still junior, so not a lot of experience, but I guess from what I've been doing for a year and a half and even from my studies, I still... Uh, understand what's going on out there and, and specializing on this topic of uh, data stack and data discovery. But basically, been in London to do my bachelor degree, came back to France to do a double degree between an engineering and a business school. So quite exactly where data stand in the actual world of business. Spent six months in the US, in New York, during that period as an intern in a small startup in New York uh, as a data scientist there. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, working as a consultant for a huge luxury brands, trying to predict their sales. So really data science focus. Came back to France doing my second year of master degree. And at the end, I had six front of, in front of me with my best friend, who was also similar profile, data scientist. He worked in San Francisco. So both of us were quite close to that uh, tech data, startup scale-up ecosystem, wanting to launch something from France. Think about, okay, what can we be legit on? Is there anything we can try to solve? And the most obvious thing was, okay, we were a data scientist. We could do great, amazing things with data, great analysis, model, dashboards, whatever. But at the end of the day, we spent half of our time looking at a column and wondering whether it's euro or dollars and have no clue to efficiently look for that kind of context, description, documentation about the data. That's how we started out from this use case. 
thinking about all this data documentation, data context that you often miss and just and pinging your manager or your data engineers to know about. So a bit about my background, data scientist turned really rapidly, actually straight at the end of my studies into an entrepreneur. And now CEO at Castor, um, big world for 15 employee company, but basically taking care of the sales side, mostly speaking with customers, speaking with users, getting to know how they're working with data, how do they approach these issues, how do they serve their other stakeholders in the company with data, uh, really trying to understand, yeah, what is missing on this data world. Hey, when you were working as a as a data scientist, how much of the, how much of your time were you spending with those end users around those use cases versus you know let's say with the data sets? Give me give me a sense for that, and the impact that those user stories and the gaps, the challenges had as you were really trying to frame up those solutions as a data scientist. Yeah, so as a data scientist, I was the end user of the data, so I had access to all those data assets. Uh, my role was really to take some business need or business thing and turn them into technical thing and, and had impact through my models, through my analysis, showing something that other people couldn't see or just confirming hypotheses about top management on some kind of thing, showing the number and putting some rationality on some insights or some hypotheses that other people had. But at the end of the day, you take some needs from the business side, and then you have to turn it with some more technical things that are data that come from the product, that come from some SaaS tool that you're using, that come from other people using some tools and creating some data. And so you have to bridge the gap. And when you turn to the, so on the business side, talking with them, it's more informal. There's no, it's really about you and your trust and your questions to find out what they're actually looking for. And now when you turn to the engineering world, and when you have to find those data and what you can do with it, this is where, I spend a lot of time getting to know what exists, what do we have actually on our stack, what do we record, what do we collect, uh, and and that was eighty percent of my time <laughs> doing this. And at the end, you spend twenty, and and that's the usual thing everyone tells you about yeah. that. And twenty percent spent on actually the models and the analysis. Were you were you embedded in the business as a data scientist uh, around living those use cases every day? Were you part of a separate data science team? Just curious. I was more a consultant for other big companies, uh, so I was clearly outside, but that was a good point as well, because uh, I really come from the business, business needs, yeah. and then go back to the engineering to know, can we actually do this technically? Do we actually have the data to do it? But starting from the business need, and that was really important, but from a consultant exterior point of view. So it, based on what you're, you're saying, it sounds like a lot of those experiences started shaping this decision-making process on getting Castor off the ground and started. Absolutely. Absolutely. And coming back to France, getting a normal friend data scientist around me, having the similar situation. So I was even more exposed to not knowing the data that my client had access to or had in their, in their infra. Uh, some of my friends and my founders, they were in teams in companies and they didn't even know what were around them. So, right. so the pain was clear for me. It was clear for other people just in internal data. And that's how we started really spending way too much time looking for simple information about the data, simple context, things that people know in their head, but it's never written down. And when you knew or when you just don't remember, it's just impossible to find back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I got to mention to you, I love the Castor logo. That is, uh, that's a beaver tail. Is that right? How did, how did this beaver tail logo come about? 
Absolutely. That's a good question. There's a lot of animals in the data sphere with the data IQ <laughs> to the bird, with a data dog. So we got the, often the question. We started because first it's a cute animal and then because we wanted to do something with the data lake, which was really nice technology. When we started out, which is kind of floating and we'll, we'll dive a bit more into that, but being the architect or at least the, the house master of the data lake, uh, that's what inspired us at the beginning, uh, really the one that constructs and that keeps keep the data the lake <laughs> on its own, being the architect. That's, that's how we came up to the castor, uh, which is actually beaver in French. Uh, yeah. Castor is beaver, and so the beaver tail has a logo. Oh, that that is awesome. I I'm a big fan of beavers. I uh, I do some kayaking on on uh, lakes, and uh, I do I wouldn't say I see beavers regularly, but probably once or twice a year. And there's a huge beaver dam that I know exactly where this is. So every once in a while, I'll kayak by there just to see if I'm I'm lucky to see a beaver. Very uh very cool. So let me ask you this, Tristan. What <laughs> So you guys have a great website, by the way, but what product category do you put Castor in? Give, give me the product category. If you have, if you have a category for Castor, I've, I've got my, I'm not going to you know, tell you what I think. And then why you put Castor in that category. Absolutely. So the broad category that people are aware of, I'd say, is data catalog. But it's really hard to tell this because... There's so many things about data catalog. Now it's called data discovery in some place. Sometimes it's also called data governance. Sometimes it's uh, data dictionaries. And that's why we are building it. It's a space where things are not mature enough. And especially with those new technologies, data catalogs are here for a long time. We know about Colibra. We know about Informatica. We know about those huge enterprise uh, software, huge enterprise solutions that are there, pretty mature for governance purposes. Now, why we are there and why we put ourselves in there is because I'm not going to redo the pitch of big data, but basically now everyone has data. And for as long as you have maybe 10, 20 employees, you start having data. You start having a lot of data. And now when you're a startup, when you're a scale-up, when you're a tech company working on a new modern data stack, you basically get those documentation and governance use cases much sooner than bank or insurance who will which were the huge uh, data consumer at some time in the past. Now you start using data and having a data warehouse really, really rapidly, and you start getting a lot of data. And with those dashboarding tools, with the self-service analytic, with DBT as well, who allows less technical people to build own models, there's just a floating of number of assets in the data stack that you still have to discover, catalog, document, and that's where we stand. That's where we think that yeah. there's a, a space for those new types of company, new data teams. Let, let me ask you this. Whenever you started Castor, you and your co-founders, did you, did you intentionally want to associate Castor with a category, as you said, that you know, is pretty well known? I guess we all have our opinions, have, have some of those large enterprise data catalogs worked well or not worked well, but was that intentional so that you did not have to create this awareness around a new market category, which is obviously really, really challenging to do? Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning, we consider ourselves as a data discovery tool. Uh, and when you look at the tools in the huge tech companies, which we were inspired a lot from, um, I mean, Amundsen is the most famous one because it has been open source by Lyft, but there's similar solution at Airbnb, at Spotify, at Facebook, at Uber. All of those huge tech companies had internal tools, 
not one of them called it a data catalog. <laughs> and it's just the similar features and the similar product, but they called it a data discovery tool. So, at the so, beginning, so why do you think, that, I mean, again, I, I, for me personally, I just give my personal opinion. I haven't seen the, I'll say the traditional or classic data catalog approach work really well that many times. I think it's been, it's certainly had a lot of promise. I think not necessarily the, it's not necessarily a technology limitation in some cases. I think that you, you know, I've got this people issue. I got this process issue, blending that all together with new tech as well. But in your opinion, I mean, what has really caused this, the challenge, the difficult time achieving potential with, let's say, traditional data catalogs and how are you doing it differently at Castor? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really good question. That's also a part of our differentiator and how we think about this. Uh, and, and to be totally transparent and honest, when we started out, again, we didn't think about where we're going to stand in the market, what is the market category. We started by interviewing users. Uh, we had this intuition that discovery, at least finding your data and understanding whether it was seconds or minutes or euro or dollars, was a pain. And that we had to solve that. And starting from this specific use cases, turned mm -hmm. out that actually the features and what we developed have similar features to what the data catalog is. But there's a few things. First, about the use cases. Data catalog, when we say it, when we compare it to data governance and this kind of thing, it's usually a data governance ahead of data governance or ahead of data use case. It's having visibility over my asset, making sure yeah. I know who has access to what, who's using what, are my data scientists actually using P2Is, this kind of thing. It's not at all about, I'm a data analyst, I need to find an information about my customer, where do I start? And this is just reversing who we are actually addressing, starting from the end users, and the actual challenge from those big tools is getting used by those end users, which can get a lot of value from actually getting this huge data mapping. Because at the end, you also have compliance use cases, just mapping mm -hmm. your data. Data discovery, and again, it's a term, it might change, markets just evolving, maturing. How we think about this is addressing those people, those data consumers at the end of the data chain, you have the data engineers, the analytic engineers, and again, you have the data analysts, data scientists, and even more people at the end of the chain. How do you guide them through what they're looking for? How do you make sure they find what they're looking for, they can trust it, and they can start using it? So, so it's, you mentioned it uh, just at the beginning, is find, yeah. understand, and, and use. That's and for the end users. So it's not having this mapping of all the data for head of data or for governance. Mm -hmm. It's really about empowering and getting more efficiency in the use of data. How do you think about data ownership when you're talking with clients about potentially leveraging Castor as a data discovery, data observability, data catalog, whatever that combined category is? How, how do you talk to customers about who should own the data or, or how do you give them a perspective on that that is you feel is the best way to think about it? That's a dilemma for a lot of companies. Is it the data producer, <laughs> data engineers who is responsible for maintaining the pipelines, for providing a good table to data analysts? Or is it the data analyst who has worked three months on a table, who knows everything about the distributions, about the values, about the columns, about pretty much everything, the impact of a table and who's using it? Who's responsible for it? Yeah. And I guess this is also what a lot of tools are trying to solve, is that communication. And again, this is between business and engineering. That's where data mm -hmm. stand, and that's where still a lot of work is to be made. At Castor, we want this to be as democratic and collaborative as possible. 
So having too much doc documentation <laughs> is not something we often see. So the idea obviously oh. is that there is some ownership and you can collaborate and you can add some more people, but usage, people who are using the table, using the asset table dashboard, the KPI, should be responsible for it and, and you should see who's using it. Today, you don't have any visibility on this. When you ask a head of data or, or data manager about who's using your asset, you know who's using this table. You might know who has created it, but in terms of usage, no idea. And that's also what we're trying to solve is getting everyone to agree on the same page, on the same tool, on the definition, on the goal, on the scope of the tables and getting that knowledge, that context, everything that is done with the data, not only the data in itself, but all its usage into one single tool. What is, uh, what's the most difficult to mention to get right uh, when, you know, let, let's take it, let's take it two two angles. Let's say traditionally, you know, a traditional approach versus say the approach that you're taking with Castor. What's most difficult to get right? People, process, or technology? Documentation is something that is on everyone's to-do list. Everyone has a bullet point. Start mm -hmm. documenting. It's never P1. It's never on top. It's never a usual thing. It's how you get people to use, how you get people to adopt, how you get people to see the value of documenting. Yeah. It's not direct ROI, but it's just like technical debt. It's knowledge debt. If you don't write this down, you're going to forget. But it's not something yeah. that is a reflex yet. And that's what we're trying to do with Castor. And that's why UI adoption is so important. And that's why people is definitely the harder thing because documentation is a pain for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, and we're we're all set in our ways. We have a certain you know process that we go through that we're used to, et cetera. One of the things, Tristan, and I, I agree with all that. One of the things that caught my attention with Castor was that Google-like search that you guys have, which allows me to really work the way that I think most of us work when we're trying to find things today. We go to Google, right? And so maybe take me through that. But the second thing, which you just touched on. How how do you help with that documentation process? It, it it looks like with Castor, I've got a way to, I don't want to say auto-document, but maybe simplify or accelerate the documentation process. Talk to me about the find and the document side within Castor. I think that's really interesting. Exactly. And I think you're touching the pain point that we actually we are actually solving. I mean, data catalog, mapping out the data. Everyone can do it. The real pain and the real thing that needs to be hacked is how you get people to use it and to adopt it. And that's where Google likes search bar. You want it to be as intuitive as possible. You want people, you want your data analyst, you want your data consumer to document, but not even realize that they're documenting. They just document because they like it. It's easy. It's mm. extremely efficient and it will be reused and they're going to see the value in it. And that's, that's the thing, is, is how you show this and how you make it as seamless as possible to add more context and to, to do it while not even uh, noticing you're doing it. So the Google-like search bar is definitely part of it. You just don't mm -hmm. have to do any training on Castor. It's just as intuitive as possible. So you just find your assets. And afterwards, all the features of automation. So obviously, there's a few things. The first one is you don't want to start from scratch. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you implement Castor, obviously, we map out everything. But you don't want to have, okay, I have 2,000 tables. I need to document them one by one. No. So the first thing is obviously getting everything you've already done. If there's any description in any tool you have, we're going to get it. We're going to ingest it. And we're going to sync up with it. So if you start documenting in another tool, we want to get that documentation. You don't want to rewrite documentation. First try yeah. to maintain it, but not rewriting it. And then each time you use Castor, 
it has to be more efficient than if you document anywhere else. So we do propagate the description, for example, with the lineage capability, if you document in a table and you see similar columns in children tables, we do propagate it. So you only document once and then it's autofill in all the others. We do other automation. Obviously, we want to provide context even if no one has ever documented or put any manual input. So everything about freshness, about frequent users, about the queries as well. Queries, super important piece of context. If you can have access to the history of query on one table, it's not documentation, but it's a lot of insight, a lot of logic, a lot of things that you can get inspired from that you can start to reuse. And really the idea with Castor is you plug it, again, should be super easy. You don't want to spend time on this. You don't want to spend time documenting and you get value out of it. And typically getting the queries, it's automated. You don't start from scratch. You never start from scratch when looking at something with Castor. And that's really important. And then you just feel like, okay, I'm going to document because that's the way I, uh, that's the way I, I used to work with data. You always have your mm -hmm. Excel sheet or Google Word where you have your data dictionary that you fill out on your end. Now, if you can give this to other people, make it collaborative and again, super friendly, Castor is, is the way of doing it. So super yeah. lean, simple interface and with a lot of automation. And there's so many other features that we have so that you, we avoid you losing time documenting and, and being much more efficient when doing this. Now that's, that is excellent. And it sounds like the way you're describing it as a, as someone taking advantage of what Castor brings to the table, I can be productive pretty quickly. I'm thinking, you know, set up learning time, you know, maybe training, whatever those things are, just getting used to the, to the application, the environment, doing things in the Castor way. Is that pretty quick overall, depending on my persona within the organization? Our goal is to make it as quickly as possible again. It's, yeah. it's something you know you have to do. Uh, and we do really believe in um, uh, product-led growth, something that just works. Mm -hmm. You put it, it's so easy that just people are, do not need any training. Uh, they just go on it and it seems familiar. Uh, again, Google-like search, the way you see the different assets. Yeah. Super familiar. You get redirected to your other tools. Uh, you work each time with your tool, but you have this break of documentation of context just next to you. And so... Yeah, really easy, again, with all the features. And the, the important thing about this is the network effect. As yeah. soon as you start documenting and that your friends or colleagues start documenting as well, you get to see the notification, you start to use it, and it becomes, and, and the, the, the beautiful example and the, the vision we have and, and the, the most, yeah, again, inspiring thing has been at Airbnb, where they pushed it to the limit. <laughs> they have something that is called a data portal. It's a social network of data internally. You have uh, data influencers. You can go onto user page to see what have they done recently. And really, it's 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 just this. It seems like Facebook. It seems like something you know, and and mm -hmm. so you don't. It, it's just familiar and and falls into your processes, into your daily work, and that's how it works, and that's how we want to make this work. That sounds that sounds great. I you know, talk to a lot of a lot of folks across industries, uh, all different sizes of companies. And I think everybody agrees that, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of an elusive goal of giving, you know, providing usable, trusted data. And I think that, you know, the ability to find, understand and use your data assets, as you guys say, kind of your tagline, is there is there a is there an ideal? I mean, everybody wants to have usable, trusted data, but is there an ideal caster customer? I'm thinking company size. I'm thinking industry vertical or particular persuasion towards how they view data. Who's the ideal customer uh, caster customer right now? There are two answers to this. <laughs> okay. the, the first one is uh, 
who we want to be via dual code server is at the very start of your data stack. You start implementing a data warehouse, you start having a BI tool, you want to have this good practice. Start documenting because otherwise you're just going to accumulate debt and debt. So we want, as soon as you have a data warehouse, as soon as you have one data analyst in the team, start documenting stack, getting that knowledge, uh, increasing the power of how useful it will be in the future. And again, not getting that depth of knowledge. And if some, if there's turnover, if there's newcomers, really important to have this clear way to find the asset. Now, if I'm honest, this is never the case. <laughs> it's not a good practice. Yes, we have to educate the, the, the market. And so an ideal customer is for Castor, as for us, is somewhere where it's already such a mess that they absolutely need us. <laughs> and so that's the case in most of the company today yeah. because Castor doesn't exist on the market. And so we have a lot of features as well to clean this up or try to clean this up. And this is, for example, obviously not showing all your tables, but only the most popular ones. And popularity, usage again of the data sets is how we try to orientate and guide the users to document the, the most important thing, getting that marginal impact on the most important thing, uh, documenting actually the most popular tables because everyone needs to agree on the concept that exists in there, know the scope of it, make sure it's used and correctly understand by everyone who's start to query it. Two answers. In the future, we hope that to be implemented as soon as you start working with data, because again, yeah. it will be so powerful and, and that's a good practice. So we know it's a good practice in the engineering world. Um, the software engineers know that they have to document their code, the, the API. It, it's now well done and it's in their, yearly, in their daily practices. Now we have to bring this good practice to the data sphere where it's still new, uh, but that's what we want to do. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think you know part of that usability too, and it looks like just based on some of the integrations and ability to really connect with things like Slack and so forth. You guys are very aware of, hey, if I'm a, which a lot of companies are, if I'm a Slack or maybe it's Teams or whatever it is, I, I need to uh, very, very quickly integrate this this data process, data discovery, data catalog, um, all those things into the way that I work, the way that I get information, the way that I communicate. It, lo it looks like you're doing that today. What's Maybe talk to me a minute about what's going on in that area. Where are you seeing customers really get value out of this almost instantaneous view into uh, their data state. So actually the thing is that when you're working with data today, you already have a customer-like tool, or at least you have some documentation. Usually it's, yeah. you do it on your own, on a note, <laughs> on the <laughs> Excel sheet, everyone has it. Everyone has yeah. its own data dictionary. We just want to take the space on the screen that you have for the data dictionary with Castor. So obviously all the integration are more for automated to get in the process, create people to know the tool, to know the different features. But at the end, you already have it on your screen. You already have your few lines of documentation of description. You just need to replace it by Castor because it's much more beautiful <laughs> and much more powerful as well. Uh, so that's where we see ourselves. Okay. Okay. Really good. What's, uh, and you guys, you started in 2020, is that right? End of 2020, yeah. End of Absolutely. 2020, yeah. So. Any any early uh, returns, early learnings on just product market fit in general as you've gotten out there, you're talking to customers and you're really seeing what, what works and what doesn't. Any Anything there that you'd like to share? Yes, absolutely. The, 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 the most impressive, impressive thing with Castor is that is extremely crystal clear for all the data mm. people we talk to. When I just ask, okay, what would be the perfect tool? People are pitching what we have by themselves. 
and mm. it's because it's intuitive it's because you if you imagine what you'd like to have as a data catalog data discovery whatever you want to call it it's really intuitive and and, and that's what is good and i think what is a, a sign of product market is that i don't even pitch my solution it's my prospect mm. who pitch it and that's really good and, and in the demo the wow effect is okay what would you like to have okay here is it here it is mm -hmm. <laughs> and i think that's a really good sign and that's how we've been uh, moving forward with no, that's great. Was there a particular customer moment maybe that you had where you, you realized, okay, we are, we're onto something here. This, this seems like the right path to go down. Anything that stands out with a particular customer? With two of them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good story to tell. We started out two data scientists building a product. So the front end was nice. The back end you don't want to hear about it. Uh, data scientist <laughs> building a tech product, it's, uh, they can do some things, but building a SaaS is not one of them. <laughs> but when we wanted to, when we started to structure the team, and uh, especially since we were junior, we needed more tech and product lead, we asked two of our beta testers to join us. Mm -hmm. They were head of data in nice. 500 plus employees, and both yep. of them joined us. One coming from more software engineering turned data engineer background, our CTO just exactly what we were looking for. And mm -hmm. one who have developed a similar tool at Criteo, another huge uh, French uh, unicorn, who was working in another French scale-up, taking the lead on the business on the product side. So two beta testers joining because they believe so much in the in the in the solution that they joined as co-founder. That was a pretty good moment. And that's what really launched us uh, in terms of structure, in terms of uh, vision, in terms of product, in terms of everything really good uh, really good sign of uh, of uh, having a good idea oh that's fantastic tristan let me uh, let me ask switch gears just a little bit i mean we talked about before the show i mean the market is going crazy right now in the in the data space what are you seeing out there you guys are early stage you've got so many options you've got you know to to really fuel growth and and take Caster to the next level. What what are you seeing out there? I just just interested in your general perspective on the market, raising capital, growing those types of things. What are you seeing? Where do you think you're going to go with Caster uh, over the next couple of years? Market is crazy. Is insane. I mean, DVD didn't exist in a lot of companies five years ago, even three years ago, and now it's everywhere. And DVT has just reform this market you know there's this etl to elt transformation there's this new analytic engineer role that didn't exist six months ago that is coming up on the market there's all those data quality tooling just popping up here and around even on the data discovery data catalog space it was kind of a blue ocean a year and a half ago now it's not <laughs> now it's it's not it's not at all a lot of things happening the way i see it is that on the data warehouse part, which is the core thing that you start with, that you start with when you're looking at data, mm -hmm. with BigQuery, Redshift, and Snowflake, it's there's not much to be done there. In addition to it, Firebolt is emerging. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, on this part, it's already really mature. On the other part of the spectrum, there's all those BI tools for data consumption. There's Looker, there's Tableau, there's Metabase, there's Power BI. There's much more than the three on the data warehouse space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, this space has grown uh, and is pretty mature. And some leaders are starting to emerge. And, and there's, it's, it's mature enough. And, and even in terms of financing, uh, there's already some IPOs, the series C, E, G. And so now there's the space in between. What is called sometimes data ops, 
that include data quality, data discovery, some, sometimes data governance, right management. There's the GDPR and compliance thing coming up as well because it's going to grow and, 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 and be on everyone soon. This is moving around. DBT emerging, putting some more issues and more emphasis on this data ops sphere, data between data warehouse and data and, and BI. We are clearly focused on the documentation, on having the visibility on everything that happened for the end users, for the data consumers, for the business part, being able to link those business users, because when you talk about those data consumer, so whether they are data analysts or just ops, customer success ops, sales ops, having access to some SQL, uh, doing some analysis with data, how do you make them communicate and use the right assets that the data team is building and mm -hmm. analytic engineers are the one who are building this what was before the data platform but they have to maintain it and they have to especially with the growth of self-serve analytic when you want everyone in your company to use the data how do you make sure that everyone is at the same page using the right asset and keep that coherence consistency in your metric in your tables and not blew everything away because everyone start doing their own thing in their own end. How do you keep everyone efficient and on the same page? That's where we want to stand and that's how it's kind of structuring. So there are different things here and around, but in terms of where we want to stand, it's clearly on top of everything, having this visibility. And, and if we dive more into uh, our product and, and how we deal with this technically, it's really interesting as well, but really getting that visibility and, 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 and discovery for everyone on the data consumer part. So we're right. not addressing data engineers. There's a lot of things for them. We really, on, on how you provide a clear interface to show to everyone in the company what is being done in the data team. To get everyone interested in the data work, the data team work, and, and the access to it. Yeah, no, that, that is great. And I, I would totally agree. I think the, the market is just going absolutely crazy right now. You talked about DBT, another great example, I think. Was it last week? Uh, Databricks raised another $1.6 at a $38 billion valuation. I think it was seven months only after $1 billion on a 28. So uh, I, I think you, you know, you certainly want to take advantage of that, but it sounds like you're doing it in the in the right way. I love the approach of saying, hey, we're going to focus, you know, there's a lot going on in the say the data engineering space. Let's focus on how to make data discovery and really using data more more accepted easier simpler faster for data consumers and uh, and i think it's it's been somewhat neglected uh over the last five years or so so that's really cool really cool what uh let me ask you um as as you are is most most of the company is is engineering right now absolutely absolutely yeah it, it, so what do you look for in that ideal hire as you're adding to, say, the engineering team or maybe hiring for the product team? What what really what qualities make it up? And also, are you guys 100 uh, percent virtual today? You're, I know you're you're based in Paris, but do you you have folks scattered around or most everybody is in, in Europe? For now, most of our team is in Paris. We're not. Uh... <laughs> We, we, we accept uh, some remote work and uh, quite are quite flexible on that. Uh, we don't have the choice when we started and we started uh, at some places all around the world uh, at the very beginning of Castle. So that's why in our culture as well. The strong thing about the team and, and what I'm really proud of today and, and, and the, all the new hires uh, so far are, are, have this culture and, and this. And, and when you talk about the, the ideal hire, it, we have the chance that 
people working on the product, four co-founders and everyone who joined afterwards could have been users of Castor. Oh. <laughs> and when we pitched the solution, uh, at the end, we can even I can even sell the product to the people I have in front of me or try to hire him or her. <laughs> because uh, data engineers, data analysts are all part of this ecosystem, also want to work with, with us. Usually, again, I told you uh, when, I, when I, I, I say about the product that everyone thought about it and seems really intuitive and the feature we have is just the actual concretization of, of what's in the mind of people. And usually data engineers, even data analysts have tried to do their own small data discovery tool in the end with some feature or some tool. And we say them, okay, we are working on it. And, and we are actually building this uh, as a full company, as a real product, because we think there's a much more value to, to, to get out of this. This is the power of, of all the team at Castor today, that we've seen the problem, uh, we would have loved to use it. And now we can just focus on this as a full-time project and not a 10% time project in, our, in our other companies. So that's really um, something strong in our team. And yeah, co-founding the company with two data scientists and two head of data, uh, also part of our culture. So, so feeling the pain, experiencing the pain and joining to just uh, trying to solve it. Uh, that's a, a great way to hire some the people at Nesta. No, that's great. Love it. What, uh, anything, any advice that you got when you were, you and the team were looking at starting up Castor, what was the best advice that you got when you were starting? Starting from customer feedback. I mean, this is the most obvious thing. Uh, do think that people want, but I guess even today, still looking, still working with customers, still wanting to get that contact. And especially in that crazy space where Funding around just uh, every week you hear about something, trying to stay on earth, uh, trying to stay close to what you're actually doing, uh, what you're actually solving as a problem, what value you're actually providing to people, uh, not doing some plan on the on the moon for, for some uh, illusional ML or whatever. Uh, really focus on what are the actual use cases? What do people, what are people looking for today? What is missing in your product? What is missing? Why is this not working? Speaking to people and, and all of the team is encouraged and, and has some user interview, user research. I guess this is really part of our culture. This is one of the first advice I got uh, when I started Castor and when we started to, as a project, not even as a company, just as a project, it starts from interviewing people. And, and we did like three months of interviewing everyone with data something on LinkedIn, we sent them an email. <laughs> and really that's how we started and that's how we want to stay. Yeah, I, I meant to ask you too, you're, um... From a customer standpoint, uh, I assume that uh, you are looking to add customers all over the world right now. Are you focused in a particular region? So U.S. is obviously in ahead of everyone um, okay. <laughs> uh, in terms of technology, in terms of adoption. You maybe have uh, two to three years of advance compared to uh, France and Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. But really, uh, we focus on France and Europe at first. But uh, there's no border. To be honest, uh, we even sold to uh, Australian company. So I do long days, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, no border. And especially in our new world uh, where you can pretty much sell remotely from anywhere or speak with people all over the globe. There's no point in being French, being American. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no border anymore, uh, especially with those tools living all over the place. So it's more in terms of technology that we target people yeah. than in terms of borders of nationality. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing investment in this area going on all over the world right now. I would agree with you. I'd say, you know, three or four years ago, certainly uh, very U.S. based and a lot of, you know, certainly the new technologies, uh, maybe the U.S. tech companies or startups tend to pick up. But, 
Yeah, all I'd say all over the world right now, everybody is embracing this move to the cloud. You're seeing, you mentioned uh, Snowflake earlier and some of the other companies that are investing heavily in um, some of the emerging uh, markets that are moving very, very fast to catch up. So uh, no, best of luck in that. What, um, anything, Tristan, as we, as we wind down towards the end of the show, anything that you'd like our audience to know that maybe you haven't touched on? It could be a... You know, something coming up within Caster could be a personal project. Anything, anything that you'd like to add in? Um, that's a question you sent me before, and I thought about, but didn't find a lot of answer. Um, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, not just well, about what, what, one thing we'll do because I. I really like the way you guys have laid out your your website. Is we'll we'll definitely add that in and ensure that you know when you look at. Again, as I said earlier, I mean, I think almost any company, regardless of size, is going to say, let me get at my data in a usable, trusted fashion, very, very quickly, very intuitively with the way that Castor does search. Give me that single source of truth and help me maintain that overall governance around, you know, ownership of the data assets and ensuring that they are constantly curated. So if it's okay, we will... Yeah, you know, we'll link up a, a TriCaster link and, and then also the, the main site and everything. And happy to do anything else if you'd like us to there. Sure. Thank you very much. We have onboarded a lot of companies this summer. Continuing the growth is kind of insane. So hiring a lot yeah. of support people as well to help us uh, handle all those new <laughs> new customers. But yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to it. Thank you very much for this, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Hey, are you are you up for a lightning round before we, we call it a show? Let's go for it. Okay, great, great, great. All right. Uh, other than Castor, is there a technology you cannot live without in your current role? My AirPods. And hopefully oh. they won't die before the end of the day. <laughs> I spend most of my time with my AirPods. And uh, I'd be, yeah, if I can have another one, another pair of, of it, because I used it like uh, 24, 24, 17. Yeah, <laughs> constant, constantly recharging. I don't have a backup pair. That's a good idea. I should go with a backup pair as well. I always got one on the, on the charge. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, do you have a, do you have a go-to cook at home meal or potential takeout delivery meal that you really enjoy in the Paris area? One or the other, which, which do you like? We have a beautiful startup. We have a beautiful startup in France that is called Frishti. Ooh, okay. uh, which does some amazing homemade so it's a delivery app yeah and they are they have some kitchen in paris and it's amazing but they change really quickly but i can trust them just my eyes closed i always take the the, the, the first thing so it's not one meal um but i do trust them absolutely and it's amazing and hopefully they'll go worldwide because they are just amazing very nice. Great, record. <laughs> Great recommendation. I love it. I love it. Hey, do you have a favorite spot in Paris that you enjoy just, just overall Paris or the Paris uh, area? I have a nice restaurant, always about food, obviously. It's called Paul Chen. That is uh, next to the Trocadero, so in front of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, it's not one of those... Uh, huge uh, hugely crowded space it's a tiny one uh, really nice just in some small street behind typically parisian old style uh, restaurant which i absolutely love and i can nice. go twice three four times a week sometimes <laughs> oh wow. uh, that's a really really nice spot well i don't know if you want to uh let that one out or not but if you want to slack me the link i'm happy to uh to link that one up. absolutely uh, yeah <laughs> We grow our, our, our Paris uh, audience. Hey, what about 
if you're going to unplug from technology for for a little while, an hour or a day or whatever it may be, what's your go-to for getting out of the technology world and in doing something different? In the water, whether it's surf, skateboarding, oh. swimming, uh, wing yeah. foiling, whatever, in the water, sailing, just love it, just out of uh, technology, uh, just with the, the, the strength of the wind, that's all I need. Oh, really nice. Is it a particular area that you go to that you get to enjoy all the water activities? Uh, in the west of France, um, in Brittany, uh, lovely places, very nice coast, uh, some yeah. wind sometimes, love it, really uh, love it there. Sounds, sounds wonderful. What about, last question, another company, Tristan, that you are watching closely right now? Any company? Or What's a that? small startup? Any company? No, or no, any, yeah, startup? any company. Could be large company, could be a startup that you've got your eye on, or somebody that's, uh, you know, kind of in the middle, somewhat established. Just curious who, who you, who you kind of have your eye on and go, ooh, that, that company's doing it right. Um, it's not very original, but I just love Spotify. And I'm just so fan of the project, of their product, sorry. And <laughs> as a data people, I think they're the best example ever to to show someone what data can do <laughs> in terms of recommendation and someone always looking and they have a wonderful data catalog. But <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I I love that product. I love what they're doing. I'm just always uh, try to get updated about what they're planning to do and, and what's their, their last update. Uh, it's not very original, but I uh, absolutely love that company. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we are big fans as well. Well, hey, I really appreciate you joining the show today. It was a lot of fun. Great conversation, great insights too into this space that Castor is working in as you guys continue to, to make um, data searchable and available for everybody within these organizations. So thank you for joining the show today. Kitty, thank you so much for having me there. Really nice talk as well. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, absolutely. And thank you to everyone that listened in. We appreciate you and hope you'll visit us at hashmapinc.com. We will definitely link up the sites for or, or the uh, URLs for Tristan so you can check out uh, pricing. You can check out what Caster's doing in the market and would love to hear from you. Feedback, comments, let us know and we'll see you soon on another episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap on Tap page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.